And we're going to be planted in the book of Proverbs today. So you can turn to Proverbs if you want while I'm kind of telling you where we're planning to go. Because we're going to take a break from Hebrews today. Grant will be back next week. We'll resume Hebrews. Typically here at this church, we, we preach verse by verse through the books of the Bible. We want to be faithful to God's Word. We think that's the most faithful way to do it. The next section, though, in Hebrews talks a lot about the spiritual realm, a lot about angels. And Grant has done a lot of study the past couple of years on that. We felt like he's better equipped for that rather than me try to do all this research just to, just to present that faithfully. And so we think every once, every once in a while it's probably good to take a break, do a topical sermon. And so it's kind of a good opportunity to say, Lord, what do you want for your people on October 4th? And I prayed that. And I think he said, I think we need to expose the scoffer. Because when sin is exposed, it sets us free. And like a good, faithful servant of Christ, I said, that is super weird, right? That's a standalone message. That's not, that's... If we do a standalone sermon, right, we want to encourage the saints. So I revisit it the next day, right? I brought some of my own stuff in, my own ideas. Here's what I can bring, Lord, all right? I'm, I'm equipped here, here. What do you want for your people? Same thing, right? Expose the scoffer. When sin is exposed, it sets us free. So I believe that's the word for us today. And I want to be obedient to that. And I think as I, as I prepared, I believe God wants us to expose the sin of the scoffer because I think it's a category of sin that, that we may not really know how to, how to recognize that well or how to identify. It, I think it may be present in our lives a little bit. We, we may just know, may not know how to deal with it. We may see, see it in other people. It may make us kind of feel uncomfortable. We know something's not quite right. I want us to be able to align these feelings with a biblical category. Because whenever we can define things biblically, that gives us wisdom, and we can turn from it much better. But church, the enemy would be pleased for sin to remain uncovered, right? We know that. Our enemy is crafty. But our God would be good and greater to expose sin for the good of his people. When sin's exposed, it sets us free, right? And our God wants us to be free. Amen? So before we start, again, this is kind of a strange topic. We're dealing with sin today. So I have to tell you that I love you deeply. I pray for you. You've been prayed for in preparation for this morning. You're prayed for in preparation every week here. And so I think I'm presenting this word out of love. Know that this word could not be presented rightly if it was out of anger or frustration. That wouldn't be appropriate. If, if there were people here specifically that I thought, hey, we see, we see this scoffing, we see this sin, the elders get together and we say, what are we going to do? Oh, let's, let's preach it. Let's preach and address it that way. That would not be the way of wisdom. We, we would go to you one-on-one like we should all do with one another when we see sin. So know that we're not hiding behind the pulpit. This is not a specific thing we think of in people, but I think it's more of a collective issue. But know that if I speak passionately here in a little bit as we're exposing the sin, know that my intent, okay, if I get a little angry, but I'm using examples and I'm saying like you and you, knowing that I'm angry at sin this morning. That's where my heart is. 
I hope it. I hope it's communicated that way. Because those of you who know me, you know I can tend to be blunt. You don't have to laugh too much, Lyle. Yeah, I can be insensitive, right? I can be straight to the point because I like to communicate that way. So I want to go over the top and try to try to steer this the other direction. Know that I love you. And the good news is that God loves us more. We're His people. We're His sheep. Okay, He loves you more than I do, and only He can convict our hearts. So let's let's ask Him for help here before we get into it. Lord, You love us. Will You give us humility, though, as we deal with this category of sin? I believe You would be good to expose this. Give us humility, Lord. Help us be quick to listen this morning. Give our hearts that posture where we can consider and be open to reason this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what is a scoffer, right? That's kind of the topic here. What is a scoffer? We don't talk about that word a lot culturally, so I think there's kind of this general understanding that, yeah, this is kind of a negative term. If I, if I forced you to define it, you'd probably, you know, you'd probably get close but it's only in the ESV Bible about 20 times, the actual word scoffer or scoffing. And we see it exposed the most in the book of Proverbs, so that's why we're, we're going to kind of dig into Proverbs. We're going to let that be our home base today. We'll look at a few verses in the Proverbs. All the other verses outside of that will be on the screens for you. But Proverbs, which is wisdom literature... The book of Proverbs helps us understand the heart of God when we read it holistically. When we don't just kind of pluck Proverbs here and there. When we read it holistically, we get this sense of knowing the heart of God. All right, Proverbs can be challenging because it's not always black and white. It's not really clear sometimes, not real specific. And they purposely use exaggerated characters throughout the book of Proverbs. Okay, so there's three primary categories. Typically, you have the wise. That's the good category. That's where you want to be. You have the fool, generally, and then you have the simple. Okay, and the simple is kind of the, the naive. They kind of fall for anything, right? They'll just go with, with whatever sounds good, right? But under those three categories, you have some of these offshoot characters. And examples of those might be the wicked, the sluggard, Specifically today, the scoffer. This is one of those offshoot categories, right? But it plays in really well. And all of these kind of sinful characters that are exposed in the book of Proverbs, they all kind of play together, right? Sin is very crafty. And so the goal for today, my goal is that we don't come out of here with like, do you know how to define scoffer perfectly? That's not, that's not the goal. We don't need a perfect working definition. We just want to see how some of these, these like more subtle sin categories can show up in our lives. All right? And then we're not just going to leave it there at the scoffer, right? That wouldn't be too encouraging and helpful. We're going to look at what's the opposite of the scoffer. How, how do the wise act? Because we need that example, right? We have, to, we have to demonstrate that to one another. But back to the scoffer. So some translations, other biblical translations, use words like scornful or mockers. Mocker might be the most helpful thing that we can kind of kind of point to culturally. If we think of a mocker, you might think of somebody, their posture is just selfish, right? It's hateful, it's proud, they're kind of mocking somebody. There's just kind of ugliness. 
They're acting upon what's in their heart, right? They're exposing that there's some folly, some foolishness in their heart, but instead of just kind of staying silent and keeping it there, they got to they gotta tell you about it. They're acting upon the folly. Think about Noah maybe building the ark, right? During that process, the people who would have sit around and criticized, hurling insults, laughing at him. This gives us a little picture maybe of, of the scoffer, the mocker. The Hebrew translation for this alludes to being an ambassador for anything that opposes God. I think that's helpful to think of a, an ambassador, a representative that specifically opposes God. That's harsh, that's strong. That's what a scoffer, when we think scoffer. And maybe most practically here, to give you a, a visual of who this person is, the scoffer will often talk down to people. They'll talk down to people, demean people. Or, if they're not even face-to-face, they'll just talk about people in a demeaning way that points to them being all-knowing. They'll just be quick to criticize kind of anything and everything. And sadly, right, I wish this wasn't the case. This is why I can't, I don't talk down to you today. I talk maybe at your level, maybe below you. I'm not sure. It'd be weird if I sat on the ground probably, but I'll stay up here. But I don't talk down to you because I deal with this. As I navigated this, I said, Lord, is this, is this my personal message or do you, do you want me to bring, like, it, this got so personal with me, I didn't even know if, if it was just more for me and I needed to preach something else or if this was more for us. I think collectively we need to expose this together because this is, this is healthy, right? It might hurt a little bit. We need to get it to the surface. So let's start in Proverbs 21, 21-24. I've given you kind of some ways to understand this. I think if we had to point to the most specific biblical definition, if we want to call it that, this would be it. Proverbs 21, 24. It says, Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Remember, this doesn't stay inside. There's actions going on. They've got a... They've got a explain and show what their agenda is, how great they are. Proverbs says, even a fool can appear wise if they're quiet. Isn't that fascinating? If I brought out a wise person and a fool, I sat them on a chair, right? I said, just be quiet for five seconds. Bring the lights up. You all observe. Lights down. And you had to vote. Who's the wise and who's the fool? You wouldn't really know, right? Even the fool for a little while can appear to be wise. But if we had the scoffer at a third seat, say, be quiet for five seconds here, lights up, what would they do? They can't stay quiet. Why five seconds? That's, that's a dumb amount of time. It should be 10 seconds. Why do I have to sit on the end? I need to sit in the middle. They need to see me. The light needs to be shining. The scoffer just has to, has to go. He has to tell you why his way is the right way. You're the fool. And it's probably obvious to the, to us, but how does God see the scoffer? Right, we're just gonna we're giving, we're doing a quick overview. Right, this is a standalone sermon. We can't go deep on anything, but we're just kind of hitting the main things here. This might give us a hunger to pursue this beyond today. Open our eyes to the category of sin. But how does God see the scoffer? Proverbs twenty four nine. If you want to just flip over there, 
I want the word to define this. And it's, it's all over the word, right? How does God see the scoffer? But this is one just direct spot. Proverbs 24, 9 says, The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. An abomination to mankind. Doesn't get much worse than that, I don't think. So church, simply put, God opposes the scoffer. We know it's written multiple times and quotes itself that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And this is, I think this is happening today. I think God is being gracious with us today and being patient with us because I think he wants us to hear this word because some of us are engaged in scoffing and we need to be set free from it. He would be good to reveal that in us, right? But I also have to, we can't go too much further without getting aligned here, right? Those of you who are in Christ and following Christ, scoffer is not your ultimate name, right? If we had to put on a name tag, God's people, it would say saint, okay? And that's good news. We're not defined by our sin anymore. It would not say scoffer. It would say saint. But we, as his people in our flesh, we still have sin. We still have to deal with it. And this is one of those categories that needs exposed so that we can actually look like saints, right? If someone, someone zeroed in on us on a random 30-minute segment on a Tuesday afternoon, what would they think the name tag said? Do you look like a saint? We need to reveal and expose sin so we can be set free from it, so we can walk in wisdom and, and put that on display. But for those of you who don't follow Jesus yet, who haven't acknowledged the need for anything outside of yourself, your eternal name tag still says sinner or scoffer. And the path you're on will lead to destruction. If we look at Psalm 1, the very first psalm, a scoffer would be proud to be mentioned in the very first psalm, by the way, right? It's a status there. He's proud of that. But Psalm 1 is all about, it's a good place to go. If you ever just try to explain the gospel to somebody, you need to tell them there's only two paths here. The end of this life, it, it, it ends up one of two ways. Psalm 1 is a helpful destination. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. The blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord. He lives right here, church, in God's word. This is his source. Down to, to verse 6, what happens here? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If you're on that path to destruction, if you're defined by the scoffer, or more broadly, just the sinner, it will end with you eternally separated from God, and that is not good news. God would love for you to turn from that today. Let's expose sin so we can set it free. Back to Proverbs. Let's use a Proverbs here to just illustrate this one more time. Proverbs 19.29 is where we'll go next. I do not preach often. There's a lot of water breaks here. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Condemnation. Condemnation is ready for scoffers and beating for the backs of fools. Condemnation, that's, that's judgment. 
Judgment is ready for scoffers and beating for the backs of fools. Okay, so now we kind of have a working definition maybe. We kind of have a picture that helps us identify the scoffer a bit. Remember, the scoffer acts. They can't just stay quiet. They're, They're acting according to the folly in their heart. They're obsessed with themselves, with their agenda. They're an ambassador for everything except for God, usually themselves in pride. But what's the antidote for the scoffer? How do we, how do we act opposite the scoffer? The opposite of acting in folly like a scoffer is wisdom. Wisdom, by definition, is action. It's right application of knowledge, okay? Knowledge, there's even a negative side to knowledge of God, right? It can puff us up. We can feel very, very proud of how much we know. Wisdom, there's never a negative to biblical wisdom of God because it's always, the definition is right application, right acts of the knowledge of God. So the opposite of acts of evil or wisdom of the world, another way to look at that, like the scoffer operates in, opposite of that is the wisdom of God where we act like he would act. We know his heart, and we reflect that to other people. So just one angle right now of the opposite is what Robin read for us from James 1.19. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear or quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. If you think of wise people in your life, these actions likely categorize them, right? Think of the wise people in your life who know God and are so deeply rooted and live right here in his word that they're just not shaken by much, right? You know these people. Go to them. Talk to them. Hang out with them. The wise are so content in their identity in Christ that they're not shaken when trials arise. Stuff happens, they're not shaken because they live right here. The fruits of the Spirit are evident in their life, right? Joy, peace, patience, contentment. Those words feel good, right? Some of you long for that joy, peace, contentment. Is that possible? The wise live right here. That's what they know. We talk about being ambassadors. The wise are ambassadors of Christ because they reflect Him. The wisdom of the world holds no weight to the wise. Proverbs 13, 1. If we look there. Proverbs 13, 1 says, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Why? Because the scoffer already knows everything. doesn't have to listen. He knows it all. What do the wise do, though? A wise son hears. The wise listen before just babbling nonsense. Quick to listen. These two ways of acting are just opposite one another. All right, so we're going to look at some examples here. We're going to try to expose the sin here. We're going to expose the wisdom as well. And I want to look at this and kind of think of this as, as entering realms. 
Because I think part of the blindness maybe with this sin is that some of us enter these different realms and we think that like for some reason we have permission to act differently maybe. Maybe because of what was demonstrated to us when we were young, worldly factors that kind of creep in. But I think that's part of this blindness here. So we're going to enter five realms. We're going to enter the social realm. There's like a social setting, hanging out with friends at a restaurant. The marital realm, parenting, neighborly, and the political realm is what we're going to end with. Because I know everyone wants to hear more about politics, right? So we're going to start with the social realm. Have you ever been to a restaurant with a scoffer? Some of you can already, you can already feel that. This is real, right? I, I, I pray for humility, right? This is where our hearts might start being affected a little bit. And with all these things here that we, that we kind of try to expose and uncover, we, always, we know this biblically. We have to start in our own hearts before we start thinking of others. But I actually think some of these examples are going to make you think of people you love and care about. And you may have responsibility to act accordingly after this. If you love them, you will bring this to their attention, right? The wise are quick to listen. So you don't go attack, but you say, hey, I care about you. What's going on here? Listen. Dialogue. Point them here. There's a better way. So I think that's, that might be what happens here. Restaurant with a scoffer. Picture it however you want to, but let's, let's take three wise and one scoffer. All right, and you be one of the wise, fake it if you have to, but three and one, right? Three wise, one scoffer. So there's four of you at a restaurant. And let's say the scoffer pulls a rare wise move, okay? He orders his food with no pickles, right? Pickles are disgusting, right? We all know that. That's wisdom. So he, he acts out in wisdom, a rare piece of wisdom, no pickle. The others at the table are just thinking like, oh, please don't bring a thing with pickle on it, right? They know what's coming. Because everything revolves around him. And the food comes and there's pickles on it. What does the scoffer do? We've been there kind of, right? Some of you could come up and say, well, let me tell you from experience. Oh, just demonstrative actions, right? Demonstrative actions, right? It's all about him. How dare anything get in the way of my universe? Demanding for it to be fixed. Speaking down to the server. Go get the manager, right? Give me a discount. How dare anyone make a mistake? Because the scoffer makes no mistakes and he has no compassion for anyone who does. It's like, what if, what if the server doesn't matter? Doesn't matter because I come into this restaurant realm I may be decent outside of here. I come into here for some reason. I, I now get to kind of act like a fool? No, I don't think so. That's not, that's not what this says. That's not what the way of the wise says. So how would the wise act? Well, the plate would come out with pickles. And if, if pickles make like your skin kind of crawl when you smell them. Even saying the word kind of makes you sick, like I'm feeling right now. This is real, right? You don't have to eat the pickles. 
the wise don't necessarily have to just take whatever's given to them. You could. You could scrape them off. But it's not wise to necessarily just eat the pickles. How would the wise act? First, they would just keep engaging in fellowship, right? It wouldn't affect the flow of the table or the mood. They'd just wait till the server came back. And maybe something like, hey, I can't, I can't do pickles real well. I, didn't, I don't think I ordered them. Do you know? They'll probably cut you off. Your demeanor is that of love, right? They'll probably cut you off and say, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I don't know what happened. And they'll fix it. But even if they don't, the wise aren't, aren't phased by it. Even if they said, ah, deal with it, it wouldn't phase the wise. It doesn't matter. Put more ketchup on it, right? The wise deal with it. The wise can handle that. They're not phased by it. It doesn't affect the mood at the table. But wisdom of the world creeps in, right? And it says, hey, if you act this way at a restaurant, you can get it for cheaper. So now all of a sudden we got the sin of the love of money piled on with folly. It's like, oh man, this is getting complex. The wisdom of the world creeps in. We start believing it. We act differently in the restaurant realm. So how do the wise act? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. They're not shaken. The wise know they deserve hell, right? What do I deserve? Let's zoom out. Ultimate separation from God, hell. The little pickle incident, that's laughable. That's laughable. What do I deserve? The wise know they make mistakes. They can have compassion for others who make mistakes. But most importantly, the wise aren't consumed with, them, with themselves. Now go back to your table. Go back to your, your, your picture that you had of, of the four people in the restaurant. And remove the scoffer now. And insert him, replace him with a fourth wise person. What happens? You feel that? It's lighter now. It's fun. This is actually enjoyable now. We don't have to revolve everything around the fool over there that only engages in conversation when it's about him. This is fun now. What, what, is, what are we feeling there? Let's let God's word define this. Let's let him define this. Proverbs 22.10. Let's see what we're feeling. It says, drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. So if you remove the scoffer from the table, all of a sudden it's an enjoyable setting. We don't have to worry about the tension from the fool anymore. All right, but we can't, let's hold on, right? We can't misunderstand this verse. It's not telling us that we're supposed to do this. It's just telling us this is the reality, though. When the scoffer's not in the mix anymore, things are good. You're wise. You're wise. The scoffer needs you. The scoffer needs you to keep them at the table, so you've got to keep hanging out with the scoffer. This verse is not saying literally drive them out or don't associate them. No, no. 
That's what wisdom of the world would say. Pursue comfort. This is easier. This is easier and more fun. Do that sometimes to stay refreshed. But no, no, no. Our God, Jesus, right? He came here for the sick, not the well. Jesus hung out with the scoffers, right? He hung out with the wise as well. But he was here for the scoffers. You're wise. You know that. But you got to keep them at the table. They need to see wisdom played out. They need to see when trials come, how do the wise act? This person has so much wisdom. This person seems so happy. Why is that? They're just always content. How? When trials come, that's when it's on display. That's when we get to show it the most. Are we equipped, church, to face the trials with wisdom? Do we live right here so that we're not easily shaken. Let's keep exposing the sin so that we can live freely in this wisdom. How about the marital realm, right? We're going to touch on some of these quickly, but the marital realm. Husbands and wives, have you just gotten so comfortable just yelling at each other? Is that a default? For some reason now, because I'm the spouse and you have all this sin, I deserve to be able to just yell at you? Is that a common place that you get to? I hope it's not, but let's, let's expose that a little bit. What you have is scoffer versus scoffer in that scenario. You got wisdom of the world versus wisdom of the world, just back and forth. No one will back down because it shows weakness. Who will demonstrate wisdom and be slow to speak, quick to listen? Man, I hope it's you. But women, you, you need to live here too. Don't wait for the husband. You have responsibility. You can do this as well. One of you has to start it though. And then that helps remind, oh yeah, yeah, right, yep, yep. This isn't, this isn't wise. This isn't wisdom. This isn't love. Or are you unified, husbands and wives? But something that unifies you is scoffing at others. This is one of those subtle ones, I think, that might creep in sometimes. Do you, do you kind of fill each other up and egg each other on as you scoff openly about other people, about your neighbors? Do you wonder why people may not like to go to dinner with you? Because you just comment on other people all the time and complain? Who's going to demonstrate wisdom, spouse? Parents, are we demonstrating wisdom to our kids? Will they grow up around the wise? Or will they grow up in a in an atmosphere of scoffers. Scenario. Hey, kid, get off the stool. You're going to get hurt. Hey, get off get off the stool. You're going to fall and get hurt. I care about you. I don't want to get hurt. Crash. Crash. They fall off and they're crying. What do you do? Here's, here's the chance to act. What do you do? The scoffer. 
Told you. Should have listened to me. They can't hear you because they're crying. Told you. Parents, we can't be there. No, 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 no. We cannot be there. That represents just ignorance. Wisdom of the world says our children are what? A burden. That's what the world says. Children get in the way of my free time. How dare they fall off a stool and interrupt my game or my whatever, fill in the blank. Wisdom of the world says they get in the way of all my stuff and all my freedom. And because of that, because they didn't obey my word, they deserve what they get. And because of that, I'm going to withhold my love from them. No. The scoffer parent forgets that our Heavenly Father says, hey, turn from sin, it'll set you free. You can live with peace and joy. And what do we do? We sin. We choose to sin day after day. But now we expect our kid, when we tell him a word, we expect them to obey perfectly. There's a disconnect, church. There's a disconnect. But the wise, right, crash, crying. The wise know we have a good, loving Father. Even though we don't obey Him, when he tells us to, we continue to sin. What does he say? He says, come. All you heavy, laden, heavy burden, come. I'll give you rest. Even when you continue to disobey, come. I'll give you rest. Why? Because he loves us. So the wise crash. The wise just go. And they say, come. And cry a little bit. Let them cry. And just hold them. You don't need to problem solve right away. Another act of the wise from Romans 12. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's not written about parents and kids, but it is a helpful navigation tool for wise parenting. Just those two things are super helpful. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. You come, you let them cry. It doesn't literally mean weep, like you have to start crying with them. Doesn't, it doesn't mean that. It means give them an environment to feel some stuff. Let them feel some stuff. Have some emotion. And out of that love, all they want to do is cry and be held. Feels so good. Be slow to speak. Just let them cry. Let them weep a little bit then here's the crazy thing that the scoffer is blind to. Discipline, the same effect, the same uh, action on their behalf plays out, but it plays out even better. Because out of this, this is love. This is an atmosphere of love, and discipline flows from love way better than it does from anger. So out of this love... Now you're what, wise parent? You're quick to listen. That involves asking questions sometimes. And you already know the answer. You're the adult. You know the answer, but you say, after they settle down a little bit, you say, hey, what happened? 
Ah, I fell off the stool. Why? Why'd you fall off the stool? Ah, and who knows, right? I, I didn't listen or I wasn't being careful. The lesson is taught. You're giving them room, though, to actually learn the lesson, actually think through because they're safe. The way of the wise parents, you give your kids safe environments rooted in love. Because when you withhold love, like our God never does, but when you withhold love, they're going to grow up and they're going to place that love somewhere else. We don't want that for our kids. Will your kids grow up around parents who scoff at the neighbors? Are you the territorial neighbor who likes all of your stuff neat and clean and does what the wisdom of the world says, right? Embraces comfort. Are you an ambassador for comfort? You do what the world wants you to do, right? From a distance, you kind of wave. You're like, you keep to yourself, I'll keep to mine. All right, thanks, Ted, right? The distance. It's safe. The world would enjoy safety. It's their idea of freedom. Freedom and comfort are very different things. Are you falling into that trap? Anything comes on your property or your lawn, you're kind of looking out the window. It's like, oh, there he goes again. Is that what our kids are exposed to? Is that the environment that you're creating? Our ministry will be very weak in our neighborhoods, if that's the case. And I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged because the opposite is happening among us. I'm not going to go real specific here because I don't know who's watching or who will see this. But even a week ago, a week ago, in the morning, we always pray. We have a prayer time before the service. Somebody came in who was just burdened for a neighbor. We got to pray for that neighbor. Why? Because she's not staying to herself. She's engaged. The scoffer sometimes can memorize all the verses about neighbors and missions and evangelism. They know all the stuff. But ah, comfort just feels good. Another interaction last week. The couple had a positive relationship with a neighbor. And then something happened, a petty thing, and it went wrong. What could they do? They could scoff, but ah, we don't need him anyhow. We don't need him. He's this and he's that. Wisdom of the world hurls insults quickly. Wisdom, though, quick to listen. Slow to anger slow to speak. Wisdom prevailed in that scenario. As he went over, he said, hey, it kind of seems like there's some, some stuff going on. It seems like you're trying to avoid us. Wisdom wins there, church. doesn't matter what the response is. In this case, the response was, yeah, you're right. I don't want to talk to you. Yikes. And they're telling me this, and I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, wait, you seem like happy. Like, I'm happy because this is a process. You're actually going through some stuff with your neighbors. 
This is a good sign. It doesn't feel good right now, but you will stay faithful. You're rooted here. God's going to bless that faithful pursuit. That's why I was excited. There's a relationship there, right? There's some tension. Growth happens when there's some tension. It kind of hurts a little bit. When sin's exposed, hopefully we're doing that a little bit today, it might hurt a little bit. We've got to deal with some stuff. You get to the other side of it, and we're free. Oh, it's lifted off our shoulders now. We're free. That's where we want to be, church. I promise you that as I prepared, I tried to pray politics out of the sermon day in and day out. But we need to spend some time in the political realm, I think. We're going to end here. It's kind of the last realm that we're going to focus on on today. <clears throat> can, can we all just agree, though, that it just doesn't feel that great right now? Anything in the political realm, it just doesn't feel that great. I think of James 3.16. You think this describes it, maybe? For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That might not be holistically, but it kind of it gets there a little bit. So that's kind of what we're feeling. Remember the restaurant example when we just removed the scoffer? Things got much better. Well, we can't do that here. But I think we need to expose the scoffer in the political realm a little bit because I think it's healthy for us to acknowledge that. And when I think of the political realm, first of all, I think of it way down here as just another realm, right? Jesus sits on the throne of the eternal and heavenly realm, and there is a big difference. I think that's what we need to see a little bit. We need to poke around a little bit. Because I think the political realm is just a land of scoffers, right? As, as we analyze what a scoffer is, I think it would be healthy for us to acknowledge that. I'm not even talking about sides yet. And I think if you're too consumed by the political realm, you're already thinking of the other side. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there are scoffers. All on that side. Our side doesn't have any. And I think we need, I think it's obedient that we try to expose the scoffer in the political realm because when our hope isn't in the right order, if we, if we blur these lines too much, I think we'll look more like ambassadors of man instead of ambassadors of God. And I think it's subtle. In church, our God does not like to share the spotlight. He does not like to share the spotlight. So today, if you're visiting with us, welcome again. I'm going to focus on the Republican Party because I think that would be most helpful in our context. I think most of us, if we can just evaluate with real data would know that most people 
in our setting right now who vote for president in a month will vote for the Republican candidate. So I'd rather make this real, right? I could, I could stay super generic, right? And like, maybe some, let's be real. If we're going to check our hearts with sin, not even in the political realm, we got to be real. We can't be too generic. So let's, let's just focus on the Republican Party. And I would love to talk afterward if you're concerned about anything that was said. But I just want it to be real. That's my, that's my heart. I don't know how it's going to come out here. But I think it's most loving to focus on, focus on specifics. And in this political realm, I'm most concerned about some of us being led astray because we're being told to put your hope in a human institution. I don't think we're, they're coming right out and saying that, but I think the messaging is subtle, and I think it's creeping in a little bit. And when our hope is in a human institution more than it's in God, we call that idolatry, all right? And God would be good to expose that. And so even when I bring up politics, if you, if you easily get worked up just thinking about election results, if there's some fear already in you when you think to the election results. What does that reveal? It's likely, I think, the result of your hope being earthly. You're putting hope in kind of this political realm over here because you see it as more than what it is. I want us to help expose that today. I think what we need to expose is the reality that exists in this political realm is that we primarily have two major major political parties. And here's what it is. It's scoffer versus scoffer. But I don't think some of us see it that way. I think we're, we're kind of blinded. It's human institution versus human institution. It's wisdom of the world versus wisdom of the world. I think it would be healthy for us to navigate this a little bit. But I think some of us churchgoers, generally speaking, who identify too deeply with the Republican Party don't see it as scoffer versus scoffer. I think the lines are blurred a little bit. Maybe, maybe like to them, there's some middle version here. Like, we're definitely better than them. We're closer to God. But that's not the truth. There's only two paths. Remember Psalm 1 from earlier. There's only two paths. Right? When talking about money, Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. You can only be an ambassador for one. You can't be like mini junior ambassador for some. That's, that's, that's not how it works. There's only two ways you cannot serve God and and money. In the political realm, you can't serve any masters. Because the political realm only includes humans. It's not an eternal realm. And I think one of the main issues is we're being led astray because we prioritize the wrong source of information, but we kind of call it all truth. We just kind of lump it all together in the name of truth. But see, the wise... The wise live here. This is the source for the wise. This is the starting point. A lot of you are wise among us and engaged in politics. And that is encouraging. 
right? This is why I'm not, I, I'm not thinking of anyone specifically here. But I think it's a general church problem, rural Indiana issue with the church. We're being a little bit blinded because we're not living enough right here and we're just letting Fox News in, right? CNN for Democrats, but we're not focused on that. We're letting Fox News in. Let's just expose, let's just call this stuff what it is. It's not, it's not wrong and evil to be involved in politics at all. We should be engaged. Talk about bless the city. We better be engaged in the city and what's going on. So be engaged in the political realm, but keep it where it needs to be. And that will also keep your hope where it needs to be. But if we get lost in Fox News land, the deeper we get, and the more it kind of sounds like this, the more we'll listen. The more we listen, the more we'll believe the lies that say the entire election holds the hope of the world in its hands. And if you fall into that trap, then we'll start being desperate ambassadors for Trump, right? We'll have to be. If the, if the, the election holds this much weight, this much hope, we have to be ambassadors for Trump because that's where your hope lies. And if you believe the lies that if Trump loses, hope and freedom of the church is gone, if you believe that, then your view of this is very small. You're bringing this down to the political realm, the wise among us who are engaged in politics. I'm encouraged by you, truly. I'm encouraged by you because you live here and everything flows from here into politics. That's the way of the wise. We cannot listen because the Republican Party talks to the church a lot. We cannot listen to the lies that say the freedom of the church is at stake. Because what your message is in the, in the political realm, man-made human institution, your word freedom doesn't mean the same word as my word freedom. Freedom of the church is, oh, you mean comfort. You mean comfort of the church. Oh, you mean church, churches that own buildings might actually have to pay property taxes, contribute to society, like other businesses and homes? Is that what you... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that might actually be better. You mean, you mean the church might be oppressed a little bit? I do mean a little bit. Oh. This says that'll actually strengthen the church. Church, that's not the wisdom of God. No human election in one country, all right, spiritual realm, right? God, King Jesus on the throne. We'll call this one country. This is the election. No human election in one country out of 197 countries, is going to cause our God to flinch. If you want to talk about freedom, we've been set free by the Savior of the world. Those who pursue wisdom, those who follow His ways, 
have been set free. We talk about exposing sin, setting us free, church. All the sins of the world were displayed on his body on the cross. If you want to talk about exposing sins, they're all on the cross, all the past sins, all the sins of today, the sins of the future. In that one moment, they were all exposed. And what that did is it gave the real church freedom. Let's come back around to Republicans. I don't want to wound you today. I want to encourage you. This should be encouraging. It should help you be able to understand a little bit and define it a little bit. Help those of us around you. Here's another, another piece of good news that would be healthy to repeat. Not now, that'd be weird, but later. It might be good if you've never been able to say this. We are actually free to vote for a scoffer in a month. This is good news, church. We're free to vote for the scoffer in a month because we're not voting for the Savior of the world. That seat is taken. This is good news. This puts our hope rightly where it needs to be. But will your information source allow you to acknowledge any weakness in their leader? Does this help expose the political realm as a land of scoffers? When we think, what's the opposite of quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger? We can just loosely say it's the political realm. You will have to vote for a scoffer in a month. I want your heart to be in a place where you can actually acknowledge that because it would be healthy. It'll help you direct your hope where it needs to go. But if you keep getting sucked into it and you can't come out of it, I think that's kind of what Psalm 1 meant. Blessed is a man who does not sit at the seat of scoffers. If you get sucked into it, you're just part of the team now. It kind of feels, it kind of feels good sometimes because, oh yeah, this guy said this and I said that. Oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I'm going to be a part of it. Meanwhile, the wise... Why stay right here? They can take in all sorts of news sources because the starting point is right here. But there's still hope for the scoffer. I promise this is where we're ending. I'm sorry I got I went long, I think, on the parenting bit, so I apologize, but we'll uh we'll go to Proverbs one. I think it was responsible to expose the political realm for what it is. But we have to turn. We have to make the pivot here for those who've been sucked into the political realm, those who don't operate well or wisely in the marital realm or the social realm, any of the other realms. Proverbs 1, 22 and 23. We're going to cut it at 23 purposely. It says, How long, those simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Here's the turn. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. We'll stop there. If you've never experienced freedom, 
If you're tired of being consumed by the world, constantly being let down by it, Jesus says, turn from that wisdom of the world and come, follow me. Pursue true wisdom as we acknowledge our sin, as we let it be exposed. We're continually set free as we repent and turn from it. And it happens again and again and again. We know ourselves. We're wise. We can acknowledge our sin. We can acknowledge weakness. The way of the wise knows that we are weak and he is strong. In the political realm, there's no word for I am weak. It's always, yeah, but he, this. Yeah, but they. Let's see that difference. Church, he set us free from any bondage that a human institution might try to lead us into, but the lines are clear. It's either wisdom of God or wisdom of the world. There's no in-between. He's good to open our eyes to this so we can be set free. And here's what I want, church. I love you. If you're voting Republican, I love you. Here's another thing we can acknowledge to kind of pick you back up a little bit. I think everyone, both sides, acknowledge typically, right, the Republican agenda would probably align a little bit more here than the Democratic one, right? But if you start here, you have eyes to see that. If you start somewhere that's unhealthy, you'll try to pull this into that, and everything will be perfect. That's not, that's not the order of operations. But here's what I want for our church. This is my prayer. And I don't know why. God moved me to tears every day this week as I prayed this. It kind of seems strange, but I think we need to hear it. My prayer for us is in a month, when we walk into the polling stations, we will walk in not as slaves to a political party, but we'll walk in as humble sons and daughters of the king. We need to walk in as sons and daughters of the king who live here. Because sons and daughters of the king live freely because they're actively following the one who set them free. Let's pursue this, church. Pray with me.